Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, Tamara B, who is the host of Many Roads Traveled podcast and blog. She's traveled to over 76 countries and she's an avid solo traveler. So she's here to empower and motivate women to travel solo. So Tamara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Angel. It's awesome to be here. So I'm excited about this conversation because I I mentioned to you how I did my first solo travel three years ago. So this is a great conversation and you've traveled, seems the world. Well, I think it's about over a third of the world. So getting up there. So how about you tell us a little bit more about you? Okay. Yeah. I'm a Canadian Brit. So born in Canada, but I left Canada in 1993. So that's kind of how long I've been traveling for (laughs) is close to 30 years now. And when I left Canada, I went from Paris to Cape Town by land or water. So my six-month trip, which I thought I was going to be away from Canada for six months, turned into 22 years. (laughs) So that's one of the things I love about traveling, just the unexpected and how your life can completely change by making literally one decision. Oh, wow. So you've been to Africa and you live there. I traveled mostly, but I did work in Durban, South Africa for about six weeks or so. Just because I ran out of money, basically. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, and I, I decided that for some reason, because remember, this is 1993, so no internet, no cell phones. You, know, you can just look up something online. It was a completely different way uh, of traveling. I guess a lot of people say, well, even I say, it was a lot more adventurous because you just didn't know what was going to happen. And you were truly on your own. That I th- thought that it would be cheaper for me to fly out of Nairobi to London, England, than Johannesburg for some reason. So I hitchhiked back up to Nairobi by myself (laughs) to save money, which took me about four months to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a bit crazy. (laughs) And then it was so funny because and I came through Lesotho and Swaziland and Mozambique. So I didn't even go the direct route kind of thing. But every every single person who picked me up, which were all men, by the way, usually if they spoke English, the first thing they said to me is, Are you crazy? What are you doing? Wow. Yeah, because if you're from thinking back to early 1990s and there's no internet, there's no cell phone. Oh my gosh, compare that to today and people were solo traveling and now you have information at your fingertips. But to me, that would be really terrifying. (laughs) I just turned 23 as well when I left. But you don't know any different. I mean, that's all there was, right? So you're now and looking back kind of thing. Oh, if I had the internet, I mean, it just didn't, it wasn't around. So you just kind of got on with it, but I didn't even have a guidebook because my friend who I left with, he had a guidebook for Africa because it was his trip. He planned it all. And I wasn't, it was, it wasn't even my idea. I was going to go to the Caribbean and the yacht hitch. I didn't know if that existed, but I was going to make it up if it, did, if it didn't. So that was my plan. And then he ended up talking to me to do this African trip <clears throat> And then he bailed on me after five months, <laughs> but it worked out for the best. He said that one decision really changed my, my complete life. So would you say that with that experience, that's when you embarked on a journey to solo travel? 
Yeah. And when I moved to England, I still traveled, but I was just based in England, 98. So I got to England in 94. And then 98, I did all my other trips since I've been solo, unless they've been little short one week trips with friends or something like that or partners. But in 98, I went from Amsterdam to Kathmandu by land. And that took me almost a year. And that was completely solo. And again, 98, internet still really wasn't readily available, especially in a lot of these countries. And I definitely didn't have a cell phone. So it was still pretty similar to the African trip. But the African trip was, I mean, in a good way, it was my first trip because it was the hardest, (laughs) the longest, I mean, most rewarding, I guess, as well. But so every trip after has been pretty easy, even including that 98 trip. And then I've done a few more trips around Southeast Asia, two two five-month trips around Southeast Asia. And I also lived and worked in India. So I've spent about three and a half years in India on and off. India is kind of like my third home. It's a full-on country. There's no other country I've been to that's India. It's, it's awesome, but it, it can be hard as well. My most recent trip was just before lockdown last year, I managed to get over to Central America for a month. And again, I did six countries overland traveling and absolutely love Central America. Beautiful. I was amazed at how beautiful the area was. So I have some <clears throat> questions. <laughs> Okay. So so the first question is you started traveling early 1990s. And of course, I want to compare that to present day. Mm -hmm. And I say present day, as I say that, I'm okay. The 90s, that wasn't that long ago. But (laughs) of course, we did not have cell phones or GPS outside of those modern technologies that we have now. What's the difference that you've seen within these this whole travel world over the last 30 years? Well, obviously you have travel influencers on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. And it, it, it feels much more contrived to be honest. I don't travel with a photographer. <laughs> I am the photographer. Even when I did the Central America trip last year. So I just turned 50 as well. So a huge difference. And when I meet other travelers, especially female travelers, a lot of them are in their 20s, which is when I started. And then we start talking and I tell them a story or two from back then. And they're just amazed. Wow. How did you travel back then? It's a whole mystery, right? <laughs> it's well, pretty much how you travel now, but you have to do everything on the fly. You couldn't book things online before you left home. You couldn't read reviews on TripAdvisor because it didn't exist. So you, you had to be a lot more independent. A few things I learned through traveling, especially back then, is you must have patience. <laughs> if you don't have patience before you leave, you will learn patience. Because especially a lot of the, the countries I've been to, I don't even know what the term now, <clears throat> underdeveloped, or a lot of people, especially back then, didn't speak English as well. So I learned kind of almost a travel sign language, which you know got me by. Transportation was rarely ever on time. And if it was on time, when they would say four hours, that would probably be about eight hours. (laughs) So you just cannot get too stressed out about things. So that's patience. Another skill is you learn bargaining. That's a custom in a lot of countries, India and Arab country, Middle Eastern countries. That's part of the culture. It's not a negative thing. They expect that from you. And just know that you'll always pay more as a foreigner in most countries, a little bit more usually, which is fine because you tend to make more money than they do, right? So a dollar or two, there's no point arguing over a dollar. I mean, that's going to mean a lot more to them than yourself anyways. The amount of places I got invited into people's homes all the time and for either 
cups of tea or dinner or lunch. And many times, yeah, we couldn't speak the same language, but it was awesome. Like an incredible experience. And you mentioned one thing that comes to mind, patience, the amount of patience that you would have had to have. I'm thinking about the whole process, booking your ticket. Now we book our tickets online or on our phone. So was it more calling the airport? I mean, you're making the phone call or you're walking into the airport. What did that look like? Well, because I didn't, I only took two flights. One was Canada, Toronto to Paris, and then Nairobi to London. The rest was, I traveled all by land. So when I was booking trains, buses, ferries, like, and and water, of course, yeah, you just go to the port or the train station or the bus station and book your ticket. Say, okay, I want, I mean, sometimes I, if I was in a place for a few days and I knew kind of when I was leaving, then I would book it a few days ahead. But other times I didn't have that chance and I would try and book it that day. And then, yeah, obviously a lot of times no, we're fully booked. So you'd have to just stay put for another day or two until there's available seat. So with travel, we've talked about you traveling as an adult. Do you remember um, or did you travel as a child? We went to the States a few times when I was a kid. Florida, you know, Disneyland or Disney World, I always forget. The one that's in Florida. (laughs) Went there twice when I was little. And then the only real big trip we did, my grandfather, he was the construction manager to build a new airport in Antigua. So the island in the Caribbean. So my grandparents lived there for two years and they had a beautiful house overlooking the harbor. And this again was back in the eighties. So my family, we went out there and for two weeks and yeah, even, so I think I was about eight or something like that. And I just loved it, <laughs> like loved it. So I think that was probably my first, first real sense of this is what I want to do is see the world when I was a kid. Yeah, not much traveling, really. Uh, family. Yeah, typically, people I meet who love traveling, they've been traveling since they were a baby or kid or they grew up, their parents were probably in the military. And I know it's not always true because I didn't travel as a child. I, I remember driving to maybe two or three states, but I never got on my first airplane ride until I was in college. And now... I love traveling. I'm infatuated. That's my form of self-care. I have to go mm-hmm. somewhere. And then I started a tradition a few years ago of bringing in the new year in a new country. And when we talk about the topic of solo travel, you travel so many places. And when I mentioned to people I was taking a solo trip, the first thing that came to people's mind was the whole safety aspect and mm-hmm. what's going to happen and where are you staying and what if someone kidnaps you and all these crazy things. <laughs> and for, for someone who's listening and who's thinking about doing a solo trip and traveling solo, and maybe they're thinking about where they can go, you've been to so many places. Do you have maybe your top five places that someone should go on a solo trip? Well, for their first solo trip for a woman, sure. I, I would probably say Europe obviously is pretty safe, but that's one thing I see so many, so many say travel Facebook groups or, or things like that the question that gets asked all the time, which I think is, is so vague and, and on what do you, is it safe to travel dot, dot, dot. I just think, well, and it's, is it safe to travel in Paris or is it, well, I don't know. Is it safe to travel in New York or where you're from? I mean, it's all relative. Don't, and I, and basically even on my podcast, I do, well, I did so many things that you're, if you read any travel blog, female travel blogger, any uh, influence, travel influencers, all the things they tell you not to do, I did. <laughs> so I always say to my podcast, 
maybe this you should listen to this and think of not what not to do rather than what to do but I still lived so and didn't really have any serious anything problems come up so whether I'm lucky or not but I mean the number one thing is listen to your gut so that's what I've always done listen to your gut and if you don't feel safe in a situation get the hell out of there get a taxi or uber or or just go to a busy restaurant or hotel any building that's open just go there and if you do get kind of any hassle then in Cairo I I had a guy grab my ass I was in the middle of the day I'm walking down (laughs) just I left the one the big bazaars and I'd had a stressful day and I and he was walking past me and he just turned and literally fully grabbed my ass well that was it I just lost it I punched him right in the face And made a huge scene. And the next oh thing I know, God. there's a hundred people around us and some could speak English. And I was saying what he did. I'm that's not right. You don't, if you do that to a Muslim woman, his, her family would kill you, man. <laughs> and yeah. And then women started yelling at him in Arabic. So if anything that happens, yes, you don't maybe have to punch him in the face, but yeah, make a scene because it's not on wherever you are in the world. I mean, sexual harassment is not cool anywhere. And uh, people know that. So that's kind of one of my other little tips, I guess. But yeah, five countries or top, probably be Europe. I mean, I loved Central America. I, it was so easy to travel in Central America. It, you know, it was awesome. I'd recommend Guatemala or Belize. Belize is super easy because, especially for Americans, because they take American dollars. That's one of their national currencies. So it's Belize dollars or American dollars. So you can just you don't have to change any money. And they all speak English. And it's a beautiful country. So maybe that would be a good place to go. Southeast Asia is probably, again, pretty easy, especially to say Thailand. I've been to Thailand a few times. And I think the last time was a few years ago. And it's crazy. It reminds me so much of Canada, but tropical. Because <laughs> it's super organized with buses and trains. And it's so cheap. You could still get by on probably $25 a day. Thailand easily. So I went to Panama City. That was one of my mm-hmm. solo trips. And actually, I what year was I don't know what year it was, but I rang in the new year there by myself because cool. I, I wasn't dating anyone. Many of my friends didn't have the money. Typically, when I decide to go on a travel, I, I go last minute and last minute mm-hmm. is usually one to three weeks before booking or I'm not one of those people who book trips six months to a year in advance. It drives me insane because well, when this six months is up, I may not want to go anymore. (laughs) So, and I mentioned to you, I've been on some solo trips. I went to Cabo, Mexico, Panama City. I've been to Paris, London, Belgium, Amsterdam. And I think I I did feel safe in all of those places, but I was also very skeptical looking at people. I I never told anyone that I was traveling by myself when I was checking into the hotel. Of course, I lied and said, okay, yeah, I got another person coming. Here's their name. I I don't know. I would make up these weird stories. and (laughs) I can't remember. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what where I was at, but um, I was sitting by the pool and I guess the guy had been watching me, one of the hotel workers the whole time. And he noticed like every time I came down, I was always by myself. And he was, oh, you're alone. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another, yeah, good. Another good tip. Yeah, I never, even when, yeah, most of my trips, well, especially the first few, the, the African one and then the, you know, Amsterdam to Kathmandu one. Yeah, I would say that I was married. I even wore a wedding ring. 
And then I would just always say, oh, I'm meeting him at the next, in five minutes, a next place kind of thing, or at the hotel or whatever. So that's also a good idea. Not that it really stopped them much like from verbally, at least, you know, trying it on or whatever. But uh, yeah, do, I, I do suggest, unless you're, it's with other female travelers, I never say I'm traveling solo, even now. And I remember so, when I was in Panama, I, it was so hot. It was uh, December and it was 90 degrees. So I had on shorts and mm-hmm. they were probably shorter than they, you know, maybe should have been. But I was walking. I did one of those what, sightseeing buses. So whenever mm-hmm. I travel by myself, I like to do that just to get a, a lay of the land and where I'm going. And do I want to go back to this place? And there's groups of people. You hop on, you hop off, and it's usually 10 or 20 bucks. Well, I got up at the wrong stop. I thought I was getting off really close to my hotel. And I ended up pulling up the hotel on my GPS. I had to walk 10 blocks to my hotel in Panama. And I could have easily called an Uber because it was so cheap. I remember only paying two, three bucks to get places. Mm-hmm. And I was all just walk, but I was walking down the street and men were driving by whistling. <laughs> then I got yep. scared. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I said men do that in, in our Toronto or New York or wherever. It's not <laughs> a new thing. Men are different. And they can all be idiots at times. So wherever they're from. So I guess it is relative and, and saying yeah. the same thing can happen no matter where you live. But of course. Yeah. But I lived in Brighton. I lived there for 20 years as my home. And, and yeah, I'd get it there walking down the street, but I do traveling. It's weird. And if people, women or some of your listeners are worried about it or whatever, then what I would suggest is just go in your home city or maybe the next city over and just do a weekend by yourself first. Right. Just to get used to eating by yourself or, cause I don't have a problem with, I mean, I've, I've lived on my own for 20 years, so I don't have a problem with that at all, but I know some people do. So that's kind of a little good tester is just book a weekend somewhere close by, or even like I said, even your own home, your hometown or home city, and just see what it's being on your own for a weekend. That's a, that's a very good tip. And yeah. I always say, you just go out on a date with yourself. And yeah. people, some people think it's weird. They're like, oh, you're going to go to lunch by yourself. You're going to do a movie by yourself. You have to do those things and get used to being by yourself or not being dependent Another thing is even now I will still, I still get a little bit nervous before I leave on a trip, Mm -hmm. even now, but soon as I'm on the plane, (laughs) I'm super excited. Here we go. No problems whatsoever. So if you do have that anxiety before you leave, that's fine. That's natural. So don't worry about that either. Just go, just do it and you'll be fine. I love solo traveling so much because it's literally the closest you can get to freedom, real freedom. Because you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, go wherever you want. You don't have to ask someone, where where do you want for dinner? I remember when I was in Amsterdam, I didn't realize you could see so much in such a short amount of time. And that's all I could take the train to to Brussels. And that's what I did. Just a day trip. I went left early in the morning, came back late at night. And I was okay. If I was with a group of people, I'm sure everyone would have freaked out about doing something like that. (laughs) Leaving the bags at the hotel and just going to a whole nother place. So I want to talk about, of course, the money part of traveling, because depending on where you live uh, or overall travel can get expensive for someone who's been to so many places. I know some of your trips have been mostly via land, but are there any ways to strategize to save and take advantage of uh, deals and uh, credit cards or different things of, of how you've traveled or what would you tell those listening? I mean, I said, even now I still budget travel. So my Central American trip, I think I averaged, so I was there for a month 
like I said, six countries. And I probably spent 50 US dollars a day for everything. And that included a lot of excursions I did. I went snorkeling <clears throat> at the reef because Belize has the second biggest barrier reef after Australia in the world. And it's amazing. So I was swimming with sharks and turtles and all sorts of and stingrays. So if, if you took the excursions that I did out, it probably would have been about $35 a day average, which is nothing. I mean, you spend that on lunch <laughs> in, in, in the States or Canada. I mean, so I would say I always stay in local guest houses or smaller hotels. I, and that's my trick, I think, is I don't, I'm not one of these, I don't need fancy hotels because you're literally there to sleep. You know what I mean? You're out all day exploring. And when you stay in smaller places, and, and I still stay in hostels because people think, oh, I don't want to stay in a dorm. Well, hostels have gotten so much better these days. And a lot of them offer private rooms, either single or double rooms. But the great thing is there, you'll meet other travelers in the hostel because a lot of them will have uh, shared kitchens and most of them include free breakfast as well. So you're great. And you can get those. I mean, I use booking.com a lot nowadays if I'm booking in advance, because when I'm on my Central American trip, which is a new thing for me, usually back in the 90s, obviously you can do that. But now when I know I'm on unlimited time, then I do tend to book places to stay before <clears throat> either while I'm on the road or before I even leave, especially the first few nights, because with booking.com, you can... A lot of them offer uh, free cancellation up to 48 hours before, which is great because if your your plans change, you, you can get your money back kind of thing, right? So that's a good thing. So you actually mentioned something that I had on the list next, hostels. I've never stayed in one. What? Oh my I've God. I've never stayed in one. But when I, I see people, po- I'm in so many travel groups on, on Facebook and following people on Instagram and I'm, what the heck is a hostel? And then when they tell me what it is and I see someone took a picture of, uh, I, I don't know where they were traveling, but they were bunk beds and a communal space. And I, I was yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking Airbnb, but I. So hostels are kind of said the, so, and they've gotten much, much better. Nowadays, you can get some super flash, really super nice ones. I stayed in one in Costa Rica. It was 10 bucks for the night. Yes, it was a, it was in a dorm, but the dorm was huge and it was super nice bunk beds that have little curtains. <laughs> so you can have curtains around your bunk bed. So you have privacy and everyone has their own light and a plug-in for your phone and stuff like that. And it was 10 bucks and it was beautiful. It had a pool. It had this amazing rooftop balcony. And I was there for one night before I flew back to Canada. And I met other travelers within five minutes and they invited, they're making this huge feast that they've been working on all day. And they noticed I was by myself and they're like, oh my God, come join us. So yeah, I'm meeting with about 20 people on the rooftop this amazing food that they'd all cooked for free, obviously, and having a few drinks with them and boom, easy. We've just met loads of friends. <laughs> I'd rather travel longer or do excursions or stuff that than pay 200 bucks a night for a hotel. I just, I'm, I just never would do that. So let's talk about the safety because when you're in a hostel, so many other people have access to the same space. Do you recommend for someone to make sure they're taking their things with them, leaving them there? Well, no, nowadays what you do, they'll give you a locker. So you can, and, and also most of them, you only have, whoever's staying in that room, well, they'll only have the key to that one room kind of thing. And a lot of them you can change. Sometimes it might only be four people in, in the dorm. Sometimes it can be 32 people. Some of them have female only rooms. 
So you could just be with women, but they all nowadays, yeah, you all have lockers and you have your own key. So that's a little tip, just a little tiny one. So you don't have to worry about that safety wise. I mean, the only thing that's, if you do in a shared room is people snoring. That was, <laughs> that was kind of the only worst, the worst thing, but then you bring earplugs. So in a, in a face mask, eye masks for sleeping. But a, a lot of them, mostly I stayed in, in private rooms and hostels. So you get your own room. Would you rather pay, you know, $10, $15 or $150, $200 for a hotel room? It's what's, I guess it depends how much money you have and what, where your priorities are really, but. I, I definitely think that it's, that's a big decision to make. I think I'm world. personally going to go with the hotel. <laughs> Yes. I, I may try it one day, but I and also love with hostels. They'll do a lot of them will do free walking tours, right? Mm. So I can't believe you went to Europe and never stayed at one. Yeah, Europe no, has amazing I, I did hotels the whole time. I took advantage of points and did the free hotel yeah. and. And because even in the States, when I'm in a hotel by myself, I usually prop something behind the door. I don't know. I get nervous. But, but like uh, so you can get your own private rooms in the hostels, right? So mm-hmm. you can do that there too, right? And you'd yeah. still, it'd still be maybe 20, maybe 15, 20 bucks a night for your own room. And you said you have your own key. You can prop your things behind, do what you do in a hotel room. You're just saving a lot more money. And I said, most of them includes a free breakfast. Plus you have access to their kitchen so you can cook, go to the grocery store and, and cook your dinners. I mean, this is budget trying to save money, right? Oh, it, so, it really is Airbnb. What do you call yeah, it? A super Airbnbs, yeah. Where the person has the breakfast ready for you. And, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm going to be open to it. I'll be open to it in the future. So, And definitely just look on, say, say booking.com is one I prefer, but look at all the reviews. Just read all the reviews first too. And the amenities and, and said so you can choose either how many beds in the dorm or, or your own private room, whether that be single, double or triple. But definitely, definitely check. You'll be amazed, honestly. <laughs> what, why have I paid so much money <laughs> hotel when I could have had this? Because they're Airbnbs, but Airbnbs have gone up quite a lot in price. I've noticed in the last, you know, five, 10 years. Airbnbs Look, aren't quite the deal they used to be. Let's talk about traveling during COVID. So you mentioned your last trip was before COVID. So you haven't personally traveled this last year? No, I mean, Canada has been pretty locked down. I mean, our... It's the first time our border, Canada-America border, has been closed ever. Oh. It's been, it's been closed for a year now. So, so that's pretty crazy. So you being more of like this, this travel nista, <laughs> not to say, how that impacted <laughs> you? I, I know for me, I mentioned travel is a form of self-care for me. Luckily, I got the Central American trip in. I literally got home March 4th. So, and we Canada was locked down two weeks later. So... <laughs> I'm so thankful I got to do that one. But yeah, I also was planning to go back to England this summer because I haven't been back to England for three years. I mean, that was my home for over 20 years and all my friends, my family. So I really would love to, because I wanted to go last summer and obviously uh, I decided I wanted to do the Central American trip instead. But yeah, this summer I really, really want to go. And then when I do do that, I'll spend maybe three weeks in England going to see various friends. And then I'll do a little two-week excursion into Europe or something like that. Because I I really like to go, because I've been to, well, not all, but a lot of Europe, obviously, living in England for so long, too. But yeah, Estonia, kind of that area. So North East Europe, because I haven't been there yet. So, because I really would love to get to 100 countries 
in the next couple of years <laughs> before I get too yeah, old. <laughs> that's amazing. So I want to, your passport's probably booked up. And how many passports have you been through? Oh, let's see. I think I'm on my oh, third, third or fourth Canadian and about my third British. So when, because when I'm looking at the passport book and they're so small, I mean, how many stamps can this hold? If <laughs> you're going to all yeah. these countries, gosh. Well, it was crazy that my, that first African trip, I only had my Canadian passport at the time and I had to get them to put a 10 page extension on my passport because <laughs> even that filled up. So that's, wow. that's probably my coolest looking passport. Wow. Yes. So when I first renewed my passport, I remember asking, I was like, wait, do I get it back? I didn't know they sent it back to you. I was was freaking out. Cut a corner off of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I I would have been gutted if I lost mine. So with people who've traveled the world, most people tend to be a little bit more culturally aware. Do you Mm -hmm. feel as though you are more cultured than the average person due to your travel? I would think so. So yeah, don't be, don't be prejudgmental or judgmental, I guess. Not just be, be open-minded, listen to your gut. And like I said, I've been invited to so many homes around the world by just the nicest people. And it doesn't even matter if you don't speak English, you'll work it out. So you pick up kind of travel sign language. We are almost to the end of the podcast. So before I let you go, I, I do want to ask you three questions as it yep. relates to the title. And this is the, to call it the game show portion of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first question is more so when you think about your milestones throughout your life, what is the biggest or most memorable? Oh, jeepers. That's a hard one. I was pretty proud when I graduated from university with my Bachelor of Science Honors degree in Chinese medicine, because that was a lot of, that was really hard work for four years. And what motivates you? I think when I started my podcast and the, the blog and vlog last year is maybe if I can inspire other women to feel empowered to go solo traveling or just do things on their own, that'd be awesome. And also I have a, a pretty serious chronic illness. So that's another thing. I've done all this when I've been sick. So that'd be another, if I can influence or encourage people who have chronic illnesses or disabilities, yes, you can travel too, then that'd be great. So and you- think back to when you're a kid or a young adult, when did you first build a relationship with money? Probably not the best to ask this one because I really hate money. <laughs> I mean, for the freedom to give me to do what I want to do, but I don't particularly get that much on a capital level kind of thing. So, and I found traveling around the world, the people who are the most generous were the poorest. And I've met some millionaires and they tend to be more unhappy. So I found yet the poorest people who have literally living in a mud hut were the happiest and were smiling because they had a community. They looked after each other and they would happily share their one bowl of porridge with me or something. So money's a bit of a catch 22 with me, I guess. All right. Thanks so much. So Sorry, I- that's probably yeah one of the most random answers. <laughs> no, thanks. So I've enjoyed our conversation. Um, I'm sure we awesome. can go on and on about travel. One mm-hmm. of my favorite topics to, to discuss aside from money. And of course, for those, those people who are listening, do you have any last words? 
if yeah, any of the listeners want to come virtual travel with me, they can do that on the podcast because that's kind of how I do it in series and they can come with me on the African trip. And I give you on each ep- episode or destination, I give you up-to-date tips about that area. So when we can go out there again, you can, there's a bit of advice there for you as well as entertain you with my craziness adventures. Uh, <laughs> and the podcast is Many Roads Travel. I always just have to remind my American listeners because it's my thing's called Many Roads Traveled that there's two L's in Traveled because <laughs> uh, only you guys spell it wrong. <laughs> and where can our listeners find this? This is on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All pretty much all audios. My website's ManyRoadsTravel.com, so you could find all the links from there. <clears throat> and same thing with social media: Many Roads Travel, TikTok. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. All right. So if you're listening, make sure you tune in and follow Tamara for all of her traveling journeys. And I'm sure she'll probably drop some gems on Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> try to get TikTok sorted. So that's why. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is the place to be. So especially yeah. if travel was yeah. open, that would be so amazing right now. Well, Tamara, thank you so much for being here and hope to have you back on another episode. Thanks and for listening. Thanks so much Stay for connected team. with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money. 